Well, praise the Lord. Good to have everybody here today. And uh, looking forward to all the guests. We're, we've got some reports of folks that are coming in from different states and getting ready for our convention. We're so excited. And uh, I'll probably mention this again during the meeting, but I, it, it occurred to me this morning, this heritage of faith, the word heritage, I thought about how far our heritage goes with so many that are coming. You know, Pat uh, Harrison, I almost called her Pat Heritage. <laughs> Do you know that when I, you know, it's easy to get... When when I was, my dad was pastoring in Thomasville, Georgia, at the Tallahassee Road Church of God in 1957 when I, yours truly was born. And, uh, they, uh, he, you know, he was so excited. He said, I was so excited to have a boy. You know, my sister, uh, had been born. She's six years older than me. He's just so excited. You know, man wants to have a boy. You know, he's excited about this boy. So, uh, he's so excited. He goes to the, to the, um, you know, finally to the window at the hospital, you know, to pay the bill, the hospital bill for my immaculate birth, you know, and, uh, he's, and, you know, and he's got the, he's got the baby signing the check and he hands it over and she's the, the, the lady behind the counter. She says, uh, Reverend Horton, um, I'm sorry, we can't accept your check. Well, he got a little huffy. Oh, yes, you can. That's a good check. I've checked the account. There's money in the bank. And she goes, no, I don't think the bank is going to cash this check. Oh, yes, they will. I don't know what you're saying. I need to speak to your supervisor. And she says, well, okay, but look at the signature. He had signed it WM Hospital (laughs) instead of WM Horton. And he said he turned four shades of red and said, oh, he got me. I'm so sorry. I was so excited about this baby that I signed at WM Hospital. So uh, I just called, almost called Pat, Pat Heritage. But anyway, she wouldn't like that. Let me just tell you. Pat Harrison, praise the Lord. But, um, you know, her father, of course, is the late uh, Kenneth Hagan who is considered by historians to be the father of the modern-day faith message and faith movement. Amen. And, of course, we know that the Holy Spirit's the real father of the faith message and the uh, uh, and Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Amen. But um, that's I was thinking about the word heritage and what an appropriate word it is because of so many of us. And I know you know my story. My father was a a great pastor, state overseer, and, uh, you know, minister, taught at Ramah 13 years, um, uh, preached uh, in meetings with Brother Hagan, and, and uh, we, I, you know, our family just goes back generations to Pentecost, praise God. And then David Ellis is coming, and his uh, great-grandfather, his name was J.B. Ellis, James Benton Ellis, one of the founders of the Church of God uh, denomination and movement. And, uh, um, I mean, just a pioneer. He would do meetings in Alabama. And, you know, segregation was, uh, not only in the culture, it was in the law. I mean, it was like illegal to have at a meeting, you had to rope off 
you know, and the black sat on this side and the white sat on that side. And if you broke it, you're going to have problems. And he was one of the first ones to go out there and pull the ropes down. He said, everybody sit where they want. And, of course, then, you know, so he'd be walking home or walking where he was staying from the meeting, and the Ku Klux Klan would drive up and beat the snot out of him and threaten him, and the sheriff would threaten him, and they'd build a church building, and the rednecks would come and burn it down. And, <laughs> I mean, that you think we have problems today. Some of these early pioneers really fought the good fight of faith, didn't they? And so, uh, you know, his great-grandson, David Ellis, is going to be here uh, this week, uh, for the convention, playing the piano and singing and that, and uh, of course his father, Leon, pastored this church for, uh, many years. And, you know, praise God, we've got a great heritage. And then Scarlett and I, we go all the way back into the earliest days of the faith movement. And, and, uh, there's just a lot of folks coming. Amen. Rhonda, in fact, you know, how many appreciate Rhonda's singing and ministry? Uh, Rhonda, her, her grandmother was a ordained church of God lady evangelist. <laughs> and she did tent meetings in South Carolina. So, you know, we all have roots that go way back deep. It's a perfect name for the convention, or uh, the theme, the, the, the theme for the convention is heritage of faith. And I think we're going to get some overflowing blessings as a result of that. You know what I mean? Something about generational people and really just make a difference. Uh, you know, our, our friend, dear brother here, um, Earl Cushman, he's got great stories, amen, of heritage of faith that go all the way back to many years ago and, uh, tells the story about his mother dying of cancer and Church of God people came over there, Pentecostal people and, uh, sang their songs and prayed their prayers and your father br- brought your mother out on a and put her in a chair and they prayed for her and she was healed of terminal cancer the woman was dying on the vine as they say and she lived to be over a hundred raised how many preachers of that family <laughs> out of your whole extended family wow amen five yeah five Five ordained, what? Six now. Six ordained ministers from that one family preaching the gospel. So it's kind of cool, the whole, I get all carried away with that. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we'll talk about some of those things. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy 5, 17. And... um, I'm going to do the pastoral message thing here today, and uh, maybe those listening by internet, you'll get something out of it as well. This is one of those how-to messages. How to receive ministry gifts and prepare our hearts for special meetings. You know, that's a good message, isn't it? I mean, not some of us take it for granted that people know how to do this. But we need to prepare our heart for what's coming, not just show up willy-nilly, as they say, and see what's going to happen, uh, or half-hearted. But we're going to show up and be ready for all that God has. So meetings like this can be life-changing. 
you know, people receive calls to the ministry. They receive calls to the mission field. They uh, will see a way that uh, a place that they need to maybe bring a, a correction into their course of their life. Um, understand some things. Amen. Um, have a miracle. Get the the the, the miracles that uh, you've been standing for can manifest. I've seen people that were standing in faith for weeks or months or even years for a healing. And during the special meeting with the special gift of an anointing that God has sent, it break, finally breaks that yoke off of them and great things happen. Amen. And so we're going to, we're going to expect number one, I would say in this is come expecting like brother Oral Roberts said, Come expecting a miracle. Amen. Expects that, you know, and, and maybe even write down on a little piece of paper, put it in your Bible. These are the three things or five things or one thing that I'm expecting God to do for me during these meetings. And put your faith out there. Amen. Don't write a little note and send it to the special speaker. Now, please prophesy this over me. My husband needs to hear it. (laughs) You'd be surprised at what people will do. (laughs) Trying to sort of steer, direct, or cannot, you know, before the, before the guest speaker comes out to preach, you know, can I have a minute with you? You know, and they're going to straighten them out before they get out there, you know. So, uh, of course we know better than that, but anyway, that's just, uh, let the Holy Spirit uh, speak, um, and sometimes it we cut, it can come through a word of knowledge or tongues and interpretation. We do speak in tongues here, by the way, and uh, we we also uh, prophesy and we give out tongues and interpretation. Amen. And these are Bible things that are almost being lost to the current generation and. I'm telling you, don't lose something that's valuable. We need these things. You know, sometimes in the name of trying to correct fanaticism or emotionalism, we go too far and we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And so nobody likes, uh, I think one preacher that we know from Rama used to say, there's nothing smells worse than burning flesh. And that's the truth. Somebody just screaming out or, you know, running up and down the aisles for no reason but to draw attention to themselves. Well, nobody likes that. It's 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 out of order. It's there's there's no blessing in it. But when the spirit's moving and God's doing things, something that would almost seem out of order otherwise becomes the thing to do. Amen. And uh so we're free. And I I, I again like what Brother Hagan said, he said, I'd rather have uh, a little wildfire than no fire. And uh, some churches, they just need to go out and pull Pentecostal or Charismatic off their sign if it's on there at all or any hint of it because because they're embarrassed. Literally, they're embarrassed that somebody stands up and gives out a message in tongues or whatever. They're absolutely horrified and embarrassed and try to, you know, get ushers to drag them out. Praise God. But uh, we want to have a move of the Spirit 
but yet we want things to be done decently and in order. Now, some of this has, that I'm going to preach today has not, very little to do with what I just said. <laughs> Those are obvious open things. It's what's going on in our heart that I want to touch on today that will help pave the way. How many want our guest ministers and our our uh, special speakers, special ministers that we that we're bringing in. How many want them to feel freedom in the spirit? How many want them to give us all they've got, their their best shot, so to speak, so that we can uh, grow? We don't want them to feel uh, like my mother used to say. You can tell when a congregation has put the brakes on the service. Just folks just put up their guard. And um, we don't want any of that. I don't think we're going to have any problem with any of this, but I've just felt led to preach it today. Amen. If you don't like it, go talk to God about it. Um, 1 Timothy 5.17 talks about our attitude towards um, our leadership. It says, let the elders... Now, that word elders doesn't mean elderly, necessarily. Amen? That's not just talking about old people. But um, it means those that are mature and in leadership. Elders. Elders in the church. Amen? Let the elders or leaders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. You know what that means? You don't get in their face after the meeting and tell them what you disagree with. Amen. Scarlett and I, we just were preaching in France, and a young man, uh, uh, all of 14 years old, no, I think he was more like 20-something, but, you know, he looked 14 to me. 20-somethings look 14 by now. But um, he comes up to me and said, I just want you to know, and he, he can speak pretty good English. He said, I just want you to know that I disagreed with your message. And I said, okay, fine. That's what I said. I said, okay, fine. You have a right to disagree. God bless you. Well, don't you want to know what I disagreed with? And I said, okay. He goes, you know, something he didn't like that I said. And uh, he didn't like Mark 16. It's too exclusive. So I said, you know, uh, you know, why are we forcing our God on other people? He had probably gotten a hold of some universalism or something, you know. And I said, well, I, all I can do is preach, you know, the gospel and what it, the Bible says. And then he got all riled up and, and didn't like that. Well, what do you say about it? I said, I already said it. I preached it, you know. That's obviously what I said inspired you. And so... That kind of thing. You know, anyways, the pastor finally intervened, thank God. Uh, 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 a woman pastor, she came and said to him, this is not appropriate. You don't go to the guest minister and correct them. I wanted to say, now, what seminary did you graduate from and why are you so smart? But he just thought he had all the answers. Well, he went away a little offended. And this is what I want to talk about is the devil... <laughs> so like Donald Trump saying China, you know, anyway. <laughs> China. <laughs> One time he goes about the, the coronavirus. He said, China. He said, that's right. I said it. China. <laughs> We've all, we always go China. 
<laughs> Some churches don't talk about the devil anymore. But the devil is on the planet. And he doesn't like special meetings like this one coming up. He doesn't want any camp meeting or convention or faith conference. He doesn't want a healing revival. He doesn't want a deliverance meeting. He doesn't want anything to happen that's good. So he, he gets riled up, tries to rile up folks, you know, before a meeting like this. And, uh, what I just gave an illustration of that happened to me last Sunday in, in, in France, uh, we're, we're not going to have any of that here in Jesus name. Amen. You count those that rule well or lead well, worthy of double honor, double honor. It's going to talk about all that includes in just a moment, the scripture. So, um, it's, it's not honorable to go assault somebody right after they've ministered and say that you disagree and, and like, well, what are, what, even what difference does it make at this point? You know, they want you to change your whole message. Your whole ministry. Take your books off the market, I guess. Change everything about you to suit them. But uh, you can see that that's disrespectful and not appropriate. Amen? Uh, it says, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. Labor in the word and doctrine. Amen? Now, you don't have to agree. I, don't, I probably don't agree with everything that everybody says. Certain things that are said, you kind of raise an eyebrow and then something else and the other eyebrow goes up. And you think, well, that's not how I've heard it. But praise God, one way we grow is, is, is go back home after a meeting and, and write down your little notes, you know, what you had a question about, and then research. If the scripture backs it up, then you're going to have to change. And if, if the scripture doesn't back it up, you can then just pray for the brother, pray for the sister, and say, Lord, let them see that they're in error. I have very good friends in ministry that I respect and esteem who are totally in error. But it's not my place to be the corrector of the body of Christ. I'm not the sheriff of the body of Christ going around correcting everybody's doctrine. There was one doctrine that was so awful to me, like, you know, gag yourself, awful, that it borderlines heresy. And I, I had uh, friends that were the promoters of it. And one day I sat down at the computer and I thought, I'm writing a like a dissertation paper on this thing. I'm going to look up there. I got my Strong's Concordance and I got the, my computer and my Bible and I'm going to prove them wrong. This is what I said. This was in Tulsa, praise God. God's holy city. And I'm going to write a letter, and I'm going to maybe present it, you know, and everything, because I could, you know, these people. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to type, in regards to the false doctrine of blah, 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 and I'm starting to write it down. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, tap me on the shoulder. Yeah, what? <laughs> what you doing? Uh, I'm writing a paper on this heresy here that so-and-so and so-and-so are preaching. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, yes, I am. 
I've got scriptures. I told the Lord that. I said, I got scriptures that prove that they're wrong. He said, you're not doing it. It's not your place. You're not over them in the Lord. Uh, you're you're going to get, let me check. The Lord said, you get in the middle of this and they're going to chew you up and spit you out on the street. I said, well, I don't want that to happen. Said, but somebody needs to correct them. And the Lord said, well, it isn't you. You've got your own battles to fight. You've got your own messages to preach. And at that time, I had just really start, started to get bolder on the subject of grace and righteousness and the finished work of Christ. Amen. And boy, did I didn't realize I was going to have a fight on my hands just preaching that, much less correcting this other nonsense. Well, praise God, others did approach and did bring a word of correction. And I don't know if it was uh, <laughs> it did any good or not, but it wasn't me at least. Amen. So sometimes we get riled up and we think, I'm going to say something. And um, I'm telling you, you, you better just back off of that. Amen. And let the Lord, let the Lord do the correcting. And uh, you don't, you're not the corrector of the, of the body of Christ. Amen. For the scripture saith, uh, verse uh, 18, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. So this has to do with, with uh, being a blessing financially as well to, to guest ministers. Amen. Now, I tell you, I don't really even like the terminology guest minister. We have used that. And we need to say the gift of evangelist, the gift of Bible teacher, the gift of prophet that the Lord has sent us. That's how we need to refer to it. But we've gotten secular in our talk and we say guest speaker. Well, it's, it's, it, they are a guest and they are the speaker, but it's more than just speaking. They're ministering by the Holy Spirit and giving a, a, a supply um, and, and a deposit of the anointing of God on their life and the gift of God in their life. They're putting that into us. Amen. The laborer is worthy of his reward. And i tell you something else that we don't do here. We don't sing for two hours and 15 minutes and then tell the, the, the um, gift of God that's among us, you have 17 minutes. Well, that went over big, but that's the truth. If you're going to have a singing convention, have it. Now, my dad pastored the Crawford Avenue Church of God in Augusta, Georgia, twice. Once in 1958 to 60, and then he went as an overseer for eight years, and then he came back to the same church and pastored from 1968 to 1971. We were doing fine till Brother Hagen came and blew it up. Brother Earl, you would appreciate this. We, we were singing out of convention songbooks, and one of the songs that we were singing, um, Brother Hagen decided that it was completely unscriptural. So he, he opened the meeting by going up with the songbook and asking everybody to open up. Well, <laughs> he read, 
He read the words and said, whoever wrote this is ignorant of the Bible. I looked at my mother and I said, boxes, because we're going to have to pack. You know, we're going to have to leave. <laughs> He'd have been better off to criticize the Bible than that convention songbook. I'm telling you what. Well, it turns out the very guy that wrote the song, his uncle was our song leader. So there's that. And then on top of it, after the meeting, I'll tell you who it was, Brother Earl. I don't think I should say it publicly, but it was kind of a big shot that wrote it. <laughs> a very well-loved minister in the denomination. Brother Hagen had no idea who he was, and he, and, and he said that he was ignorant of the Bible. So that trickled back to another holy city, Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, we started getting collecting boxes to move. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! That's awesome. We had a, that meeting, of, I'll never forget it. Brother Hagen had a brand new, that year he came to preach for us was 1970. And he had a brand new Cadillac um, that had just come out with the sentinel lighting feature. That, you know, the lights would stay on a little longer than you needed them. And then they'd go off automatically. And he drove up in our... Christian education director, he's standing out there on the curb and he pointed to Brother Hagen's lights. He said, he said, Brother Hagen, your, your, your lights are still on. He, and he pointed at him and he said, go off in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and he walked away and they went off and that guy said, my Lord, he does have faith, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, great Hagen stories. We got it. We we can stay here all day with those. Anyway, we want to bless men and women of God financially as well, because it says, "Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn." And the laborer is worthy of his reward. Most of the time, this is, uh, you know, quoted about, you know, workers. Amen. And there's a truth there. But, um, God is calling those that labor, uh, those that preach labor in the word and doctrine. I'm telling you, you preach under the anointing of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit. You get home after lunch sometimes from that, and you feel like you have worked 10 hours in the yard or something. It's amazing the toll it takes on you physically. And people go, oh, what do you have today? You get up and give a 20-minute talk once a week. You know, <laughs> they don't understand how the things of God work. Against an elder, look at this is in the same breath. Against an elder, receive, again, elder not being an elderly person, elder meaning a leader, okay, a pastor, um, a prophet. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, 
but before two or three witnesses. In other words, something severe has to have happened, and there has to be at least two or three witnesses to this occurrence. It can't be just somebody making up something. Thank you, Michelle. Now turn to Ephesians 4.11. So you can see, you know, if, 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 if you have a little work to do on your heart with that that I just preached, just go ahead and make the adjustment. Amen? You yeah. say, well, that one preacher they have it, I don't really like them much. Or that one singing group, or that piano player, or whatever, I don't really like their style, or what, I don't really care for it. Well, fine, it's not all about you. It's not even all about me. I don't always get everything the way I want it either. But, you know, it's not about just pleasing one person or one taste. It's about following the Lord. And and variety is the spice of life. Amen. And so it's like uh, one preacher said, I enjoy a good filet mignon or uh Ribeye steak, but I don't necessarily want steak three three meals a day, you know. And uh, but it's something good to have. But you maybe you want something else. Maybe you want some Italian food, or you want some Mexican food, or you want you know grandma's meatloaf. I don't know. But the point is, is that you 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 have an appetite for a variety of things, and it works that way in the things of God too in the church world. Amen. Is it's not always about just what we like. Praise the Lord. Um, Ephesians 4.11 talks about the gifts, the five-fold offices, or we call them ministry gifts. Now, it, notice the word gave is there, and he gave, Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These are gifts set in the body. These these are not voted in positions. These are not popularity contests. These are endowments given to men and to women, and then God sets them in the church, and then they uh, do the different functions and parts. Amen. So we have some ministry gifts coming in the door and uh, good ones with track records. And uh, they're not weird. They don't wear Spock outfits and things. I've got one friend and his wife, they wear Spock outfit. They look like they're from Star Trek. And uh, they're weird as uh, can the day is long. So we don't necessarily book those people here, just saying. <laughs> like, what spaceship did they land, uh, you know, land, uh, take me to your leader kind of thing, you know. The day the earth stood still. All right. Uh, so all these gifts, including your pastor, amen, is, uh, is, um, a, a, a position and it's a position, but it's also a gifting in the body of Christ, amen. 
and we have to receive it as such. Well, I don't like his personality, or I don't like what she wears, or I don't like the car they drive, or something about them bugs me. I don't like their accent. They sound like they're from New Jersey. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, for And it says what their purpose is to irritate the snot out of you. Is that what it says? No. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying means building up. Till we all come into a big, strifey split. Till we come into the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. It's interesting that he mentions that we are no more children, and he uses the word grow up. <laughs> Sometimes we have to grow up. Now, if the, if the devil is going to act up, I can tell you this from being an evangelist and a pastor. If the devil's going to act up, it's usually during special meetings. For some reason, that's when folks get their feelings hurt the fastest. It's almost like they're looking for it, you know. Now, you know what will happen if you wear a chip on your shoulder, it's liable to get, you know, knocked off. But you got to be aware, this is not just you being petty. This is the work of the devil, folks, to try to stir up things. I had a crusade team, you know, for years that I paid, uh, worked with me for the tent revivals that I was doing. And so I, we'd, I, it's like I told Scarlett, we'd leave Tulsa, we'd pull out, we had trucks and motorhomes and everything you go in, and we'd go out to California, we would go, well, we went to, uh, uh, you know, Montana, uh, we went to, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, I mean, we went everywhere, Florida, all over uh, the United States with this tent meeting, <laughs> David Horton's tent revival. <laughs> Ten years, Rosie Greer and I worked together on some of them, not all of them, but we'd get out there and go, planning the thing was beautiful, doing the thing was beautiful, getting there was beautiful, everything was beautiful until... The first note was hit on the organ, and we'd start the meeting, and all hell would break loose amongst my team. And I told them, I said, listen, this happened repeatedly. I said, listen, can't you see this? It's the devil. And I said, if you're going to, if you see something you don't like, see something that bothers you, write it. If you think it's worthy of a discussion at a staff meeting, write it down somewhere, keep it. 
turn it over to the Lord, do the best you can with it. And when you get home and we do like a debriefing, you know, a post-event staff meeting, then bring it up then and say, let's talk about this. This really, you know, caused me concern or questions. Yes, Brother David. Great. Praise God. Shandai. Even get a little mm in there. Hallelujah. The Lord was just ministering that same thing to me. And that's the very person that goes wacky on you. So they'd, if I'd find out, somebody would finally have to tell me, well, I just thought you need to know what's going on. I love that line. I just thought you need to know what's going on. Okay. What do you want me to do about it? Well, Bobby and Teddy aren't speaking to each other and they're mad and, you know, and so and so almost got in a fist fight and picked up a sledgehammer and I don't know. You know, it's just like one thing after another and then the, uh, you know, why is Betty Lou on the front row with her arms folded and not singing? The body language just tells it all. Well, somebody said something about, you know, she was a little flat singing and so, you know, she's arms are folded and I said, dear God, and I would call him in to my hotel room and I'd say, listen, I, I warned you about this, that y'all are all in strife. We're trying to minister the gospel to these Avahos or whoever. And I said, you know, you need to like keep, keep it, keep, keep a lid on it. Walk in love. Praise, overlook stuff. Shrug. I don't care. Eh. Amen? And let's have church. Let's have a revival. Let's get people saved and healed and delivered and set free. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, that's called grow up. Amen. I think most people read that and thought it said throw up. But it says grow up. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, we're going to grow up even Christ. You can, you can see why people stay away by the thousands. All right. <laughs> I've had pastors pull me aside before I go to preach and they say, now, Brother David, we know that you use humor a lot in your sermons, but if you could just tone it down a notch here. Okay. I'll make it as boring as possible. How's that? Somebody said, well, if you, you know, if the ministry thing doesn't work out, you could always do stand-up comedy. Well, there you go. <laughs> Amen. How many's getting what I'm saying? And we just need to all be hand, all hands on deck. Whatever we're asked to do, do. And you know, uh, you know, if you normally do A, B, C, X, Y, Z, and this week, you know, none of that's happening. Just be happy. Yeah. Say good. Praise God. I'll just, I'll, I'll put more effort in the. Pre-service prayer. I'll whatever. Amen. Amen. 
just just whatever. We're just trying to be a blessing to people. And uh, we want to be a blessing to our guests. And uh, I, we had one guy here one time. Uh, you know, how many remember Brother Copeland came and dedicated the building? Brother Copeland. I mean, it's the thing is, it's like I had to ask him for a huge favor. Because I said, you're going to be in Orlando. <clears throat> he would have been home that night, Saturday night, because uh, he's got his own plane. And he said, well, uh, you know, he's going to fly back to Fort Worth. What, from Orlando to Fort Worth is what, you know, by private jet, three hours, something like that. He was going to be home. And I said, can you stay over <laughs> stay over Saturday night and dedicate my building on Sunday? He said, okay, I'll be honored to do it. So here he's coming, you know, he has to park the plane at Clearwater, uh, you know, and, you know, by the time you, you get off the jet and into the rental car and up the road, you know, it's a good 45 minutes at least. And here he comes and he does it. You know, some of you were here, amen, for the, uh, for, for the meeting. And most of you were here for the meeting, including Brother Earl was here. And, uh, Brother Copeland, he didn't cheat us at all. He preached a full message. I asked him to sing. He, sound, he said, I will for you. I don't want to, but I will. David Ellis was here to play. <laughs> so, you know, praise God, we had a, a great meeting. And, uh, I don't, we, we lost, we lost people after the meeting. The offense just got them. You know, one guy came to me and said, I'm not happy. I said, why? Brother Copeland didn't stay around and have a sandwich with us. I said, for God's sakes, you know, he, I mean, he preached a whole convention in Orlando, you know, uh, and, and everything. And, and he just, you know, he needed to go, come on, go home and, um, and deal with a, a lot of things that, that, that a lot of people don't know. That's not, not everybody's business and my place to announce it, but he had situations. Back at home, he had to go deal with. He's normal. He's a human being. He's not like a, you know, all, all ATM machine. You put in the card and something spits out. Amen. So it was funny because we had one that after that, I think enough times lapsed. I can tell this. We had one. We had one. One couple walk in and said, "We're leaving the church." This is after. Our, uh, the, uh, an amazing event, you know, amen, our event uh, was amazing to me. I was very blessed. Church was full. We had overflow. And uh, one couple came and said, we're leaving the church. I said, why? Said, uh, it's not Pentecostal enough. It's not charismatic enough. I said, okay, well, God bless you. Hope you look find what you're looking for. Well, as they were leaving, this other guy comes in the office. He says, I'm, he goes, what were they here for? I said, they're leaving the church. He goes, oh man, I'm leaving too. He said, well, why were they leaving? I said, they said it wasn't charismatic enough. He says, well, I'm leaving because it's too, too Pentecostal, too charismatic. I said, well, God bless you too. I don't know what to tell you. Amen. One, one family's leaving because it's not wild enough. And the other one's leaving because it's too wild. We just have to balance, don't we? Just get right in that, that groove. <laughs> but 
But I, I thought, this is what always happens. You know, you have a, a, a big event and somebody's offended and leaves and gets mad and hurt feelings. And you gotta see that as the work of the devil. It's not, it's not just, it's not just people. It's the devil's involved. And he wants to blow up things. He doesn't want things to go forward. Amen. We are not gonna have it. In Jesus' name. So what I'm trying to warn you about is if you feel the pull, the urge to, to be offended and I just don't know what's going on, you know, that comes on you. Resist it in Jesus' name. Say, no, I'm not bringing accusations against elders and I'm not going to be offended and walk in unforgiveness. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 again says, love pays no attention even to a suffered wrong. Amen. Suffered means allowed. An allowed wrong. Something that's being allowed that's not right. It says love isn't even paying attention to it. You know, like Brother Hagin used to say, we're just going to swallow it up in love and go on. I love that, don't you? I just, life's too short not to have peace and joy and victory. Well, she looked at me weird. Well, that's because she's got one eye that's not right. I mean, you know, you never know. Or something, right? Well, he, you know, he, he sat in my place. We had, my dad was pastoring in Atlanta area and had a, one Sunday, the mayor of Atlanta, Maynard Jackson showed up. Drove all the way out to the suburbs to Smyrna, not even in a county that he, or a city that he was, you know, the mayor of. He's mayor of Atlanta. But he comes to Smyrna, the church, to get prayer at my father's church. Isn't that beautiful? Well, he sat down on the pew and this one lady was a little late for church and she walks in and she says, would you move? You're in my seat. That's where I always sit. And he, he said, fine. He scooted over. She didn't realize she's sitting next to the mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, with a stretch limo out front. And uh, my dad says, oh, we are so honored today to have a special guest, uh, Mayor Maynard Jackson. Please, you know, stand. And we applaud. And he stood up and she went, oh, Lord. I just, I just was rude to the mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, after the service, she apologized. I'm so sorry. I didn't know who you were. That's even worse. <laughs> All right, Mark 6, we'll read this and we'll be done. You can go beat the Baptist to the cafeteria. Mark 6, he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. When his Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? In other words, who does he think he is? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother James? They all, you know... The Jews are in the genealogy like nobody. And of Judah and Simon and are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. 
Now look what is a result of being offended. First of all, when you're offended, you just go, well, I don't know who they think they are. That's, that's what's always said. And then, and Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there, look at the result, he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and the commentaries say that means minor ailments, not much wrong with them, and healed them. And it says he marveled because of their unbelief. Amen. So, you know, the problem with this is if we let ourselves become offended, then we want to neutralize the ministry gifts and say, well, we don't know why, who are they to be ushered in the side door? You know, all that stuff starts up. Little just nitpicky offenses hurt feelings. And before you know it, you know, you can't, at least you, you might, you might even influence somebody else negatively. You're, you can't receive a mighty work from them. You're shutting them down because you're offended. Even if they had a word for, for you or a special prayer, you wouldn't receive it. No, I'm mad. Well, praise God, we're not going to be mad, are we?